the Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. We're talking business and building a culture that's kick-ass. Where we make it happen, grab your seat, let's have a blast. At the Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. Hey, how are you? Hey, Rebecca, I'm good, thank you. Good, good. This is Lee Fitzpatrick. He has a business called Outlaw Social. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to interview him for the podcast today is because he is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I found out recently that he started his first business at the age of 18. So, Lee, what was the inspiration to getting started? How did it all begin? Sure. So, yeah, I was 18 year old when I started my first business. That is, so I'm now 28, so I've officially been in business for a decade. Wow, (laughs) feels like a lifetime. Um, So I think that the inspiration, uh, as I've explained to you before, that my family have always been in business. Um, My mum's side of the family have an electrical business, uh, electrical appliance business that is almost 90 years old. So it's it's in its fourth generation. And I've grew up with that. you know, conversations around the dinner table have always been around business um, and actually quite heated conversations around the business and staff and challenges and customers. Um, so I think it's in my blood. I've grew up with it. Right. Okay. Um, but in terms of the, I think the initial spark was when, so I, I was on a, a academic golf scholarship when I, uh, and I think I started that when I was 16. I was a really keen golfer, had huge ambitions to be um, over in America on a scholarship. And I think that the golf scholarship really set the tone for me going all in when, I, when I'm passionate about something. I, okay. I really go all in. And I can, you know, I've got memories of spending probably 18 hours a day if I could in summer on a golf course Um, all summer and then that inspired me to apply for the golf scholarship and I got selected Um, so that was a a great period in my life but I think the novelty and probably real life started to hit Mm -hmm. as I looked at career options Um, and at that time when I was leaving the golf scholarship I was 18 I got um, I got introduced to a a chap who became my first boss and his name was Vincent and he was this flamboyant, vibrant, charismatic Frenchman. Right, okay. He, he ran a letting agency in East Lothian and he offered me a job as a property viewing agent. Okay. Um, worked there for six months and he gave me the opportunity to become branch manager. Um, and at, at around that point, um, I, we were having some problems with recruiting cleaners and maintenance companies to get the properties ready to go on the market for rent. Uh-huh. And I had this kind of idea that could this be done better? Could I, is There must be a company that exists that does all of these things and yeah. makes, makes it really easy for people like me who work in a letting agency. And I think the answer was no. There wasn't a company who was doing all. Um, so I... I I mulled it over and after a couple of months I approached Vincent and I basically said, what do you think of this idea? And um, 
he, he basically turned around and says, I think you should start up a business that does that. Okay. And he encouraged, yeah, you, he encouraged gone, me. You've gone from being a professional golfer <laughs> to deciding that wasn't for you, to finding yourself in the property industry. Yeah. And then to thinking, right, there's a gap here in the market that I can fill. Now, I'm not not everybody would be thinking like that at all so what what was going through your head when you saw what needed to be done you saw those gaps because some people would see those gaps and then do nothing about it so what was it do you think that spurred you on to actually do something about that um so there's that there's uh there's some there's another part to this story so okay I was surrounded by Vincent, who was this entrepreneur that was a risk taker and just just really inspiring. So I really absorbed that. But at the time, um, I was also surrounded by a chap called Tim Tim Cocking, um, who's now a really he's one of my best friends. But he he was my manager in the agency at the time. And what happened is he was leaving to set up his care business, which is now called Bright Care. Oh, right. Um, and yeah, he, he, it's, it's now a huge business. It's one of Scotland's leading care providers. Yeah. And he, he inspired me because he was moving. He had taken the decision, supported by Vincent as well, actually, to study a market which was elderly care uh-huh. launch a business in a market with no experience in that market right and he done this all within what seemed to me to be the space of six months wow um so i th- i think i was just really lucky to be surrounded by these people who were grasping opportunities that were in front of them yeah Um that that played a big part um, and i'm really grateful for that yeah, so you could see what was possible, and you, and people around you were were doing things, making things happen, and it it possibly seemed like just the natural progression. Then, Lee, I think so. And at that time, I was eighteen year old, and I think Tim, at that time, was probably around twenty six, twenty five, or twenty six. Okay. So I was looking at you know I was saying right that's seven years down the line. Um, if I move, if I act now, I could be, you know, I could be flying by the time I get to Tim's age. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, how, how did your business do? How how did that go? So it was nothing short of a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've told you before, it was it was really my, it was really my university because I never went to university. It was really my education, mm-hmm. um, and so the business ran for. Just shy of five years, right? Um, so I think there's some stats out there about you know businesses getting to five years and then they start to become more mature and have a higher chance of succeeding. But I never quite reached that point with the business. So what happened um, is we so we started out as a property preparation company, and that involved us cleaning, um, going to IKEA, buying furniture, staging properties. It involved everything you can imagine to get a property ready for the market um but what happened over the course of a couple of years is we started to take on more skilled work and we outsourced all of it we kind of became the the main business contact and we kind of had like a a sort of collaboration cooperative 
okay. with, um, with contractors. And that was al- always my vision for the business, um, was to scale it using skilled contractors. Um, but we started to take on maintenance work and small refurbishments and painting jobs. And naturally what happened over a couple of years is we, we branched out into larger projects. So towards the end of our business, and I'll explain that in a second, in a second, we were, we were doing uh, shop fits in Edinburgh airport. Uh, We were doing three story office refurbishments. Um, And by this time, I think we had 12 members of staff. Goodness me. So it was really positive. It was great. And I think in our last year of business, we won, we got awarded by Scottish Enterprise Growth Business of the Year. Wow, that's fantastic. But there's an, it is fantastic and it was a great achievement, but there's something interesting that happened there. Um, So we got awarded the the award three months prior and in fact maybe a little bit more probably about six months prior to us having to liquidate the company no. yeah so a real real roller coaster ride um yeah. but what happened is we we had you know i was still young we, we grew very quickly um cash flow was a big challenge for us um we had a few bad clients that never paid us and mm. um we at the point that a client held back i think forty thousand pound from us and we we had a massive project on the go which was this three-story office refit and it really it caused a challenge for us because our cash flow was at an all-time low and we had our biggest ever project which had longer staged payments than we had ever had to bridge before right um so what actually happened is some of our staff started to get a bit scared that the company wasn't going to last. Mm. They started to leave. The, the quality of our work started to drop. And ultimately, uh, myself and my business partner at the time, we had to sit down and say, what are we going to do here? Is, yeah. there, is there a way out or do we have to pay what we're owing and close the business down? And at that point, we were we were really stressed. We had never dealt with this sort of thing before. Not surprised. Uh, and and we made the decision to basically liquidate the the company yeah that um, was quite brave yeah um that that i suppose what happened after that was probably one of the most challenging year years of my life uh-huh. um i think so me personally i went i, I kind of went into a depression i think i am um, there was there was times over the 12 month period after we liquidated the business where I struggled to leave the house for probably up to weeks at a time. Right. Right. Um, I, yeah, struggled with my mental health, actually struggled to look in the mirror. I had this real identity crisis about, um, who is this imposter? You know, what, what, what right does he have trying to start up a business? And, um, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a challenge, but we came out, I came out the other side, I guess. Which is fantastic. And I, I really wholeheartedly appreciate you being so honestly, because that sometimes is not what our listeners experience when they look at social media. You know, yeah. there's so much out there, isn't it, to say, 
that it's amazing running a, a business, you know, the, the Ferraris parked in the drive, the yachts parked in the med, and yeah. it's all sunny photographs. But actually, the reality is very, very different, isn't it? And when a business doesn't succeed, due to all kinds of factors, some of which are outside of your control, um, then I think it, it, most business owners do take it personally. Yeah. Um, and most business owners do have that period of deep, you know, negative uh, emotions, sometimes depression, certainly anxiety, um, and um, some never recover and, and, and go back to thinking, well, I'll just take a salary job, I can't run a business, I'm no good at this. So what was it that got you back out there? Because I know you've run businesses since very successfully. What what sort of kind of spurred you on to go, right, come on, let, let's have another go? Um, so I think something I've, I've looked at recently is I, I remember right at the start of my journey, I was lucky enough to be so when I had Market Prepare, that, that, that was the business, my first business. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky enough to be surrounded. We actually shared an office with some amazing people, um, the likes of Callie from Malsey, oh, um, yeah. Leah from Appointed, <clears throat> and a whole host of other people. We shared an office with them. And I was, I think, being surrounded by people who were facing challenges that were similar to mines some were completely different but actually some were a lot worse than what we were facing mm -hmm. as well okay um, but right at the start of that journey um i remember attending an event uh a chap called adam purvis i don't know, oh, I know adam yeah uh, he so he invited me along to power of youth mm -hmm. and something i've done recently is just looked back uh, they recorded me on video that was like seven eight years ago oh wow um, and they recorded me saying how passionate I was and about making a difference in the world. Mm. And that's something that's really stuck with me and I've re revisited recently. And I think at the core of it, I know that I had a vision and that was to leave the world a better place than I found it. Okay. But at such a young age, I never, I hadn't actually formalized what that looked like. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the way that I frame it is I think I had the, I basically had the wrong vehicle for realizing my vision. Yeah. Um, so the vehicle being the first business. Uh -huh. um, and I think over the course of the past four years, I've, what happened very quickly after a closed market prepare is this feeling came back that I needed to do something. And I was, you know, I, I tried to go into employment, but it just never worked. Yeah. Um, and I, this feeling came back really quickly. Um, and this urge to make a difference kind of crept up to the, the surface. And what happened is I would come up with these ideas. So um, over the past four years, I've, I've launched uh, a gym. So I opened a gym in Dalkeith and ran that successfully for two and a half years. Yeah. Um, I had a product business called Muscle Cake, which was a subscription business where cakes that were high in protein were delivered through your letterbox. Right. Um, and I had a couple of, of other ventures that I was involved in, but I think probably the main thing that's come of it is the vehicle just hasn't been right for right. me to make my impact on the world. 
Mm -hmm. um, and that probably brings me to my current business, which right. is which is Outlaw Social. And I think for the first time in my life, I feel like the vehicle that I have is perfectly suited for me to realise my vision, which is to make a an impact on the world. That's really interesting. So, so many entrepreneurs have, have something that drives them. Um, and, it, and it's very rarely the desire for money. Very rarely. Occasionally you come across a business owner that they're all they're interested in money, but that it's very rare that that's the case. Yeah. And also you describe there as trying to go back to employment but it's not it didn't work out again there are so many business owners out there who've tried to fit themselves back into that square peg and just found it impossible to do so yeah um, so i've often thought about running and owning a business as being almost like a vocation yeah and it, it's really interesting the way you describe it is that you can't help but have that thing within you that drives you on. And yeah. even when you try and ignore it, it doesn't go away. So yeah. there's no point in, in ignoring it. You may as well just go with it. So so tell, tell us all about the new vehicle. Now it's the right one. Why, why, how do you know it's the right one? Sure. So I think just very quickly before I come on to that, um, just going back to the... The, the vision. So I've always knew what my vision was. Mm -hmm. I now know what the vehicle is. Mm -hmm. And I think through my track record, even though I found it hard to um, to sometimes remind myself, but I now know that I have the ability to grow a business and scale a business because I have done it. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think one of the big missing ingredients for me, and I think this comes down to the scars and, and sort of deep conditioned beliefs from having a failure mm. is that I've never really backed myself. Oh. And I think for the first time in my life, I've actually took a step back and says, the past is the past. Learn, learning is, has, has been done. And yeah. now, it's, now it's time to just back yourself. Um, mm. And that's been, a, that's been a significant shift in my mindset. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's really helped me maintain that kind of positive, what does the future hold mindset? Absolutely. It's so important. And, and it's wonderful that you've come to that realization now because yeah. people never get there or it takes them 20, 30 years. But that, that's absolutely fantastically that you, yeah. Yeah, you're now backing yourself, you now believe in yourself because, yeah, absolutely, you, you are doing it. You are already building and growing a business again. Uh, yeah which is, yeah, hey, good. Right, well, tell us about the vehicle. Sure. Um, so where do we start? So uh, a year ago, um, I reached a point in my gym business um, where I discovered that I had added as much value as I possibly could to that business. Uh -huh. um, so I decided to give it back to my business partners and basically take some time out to figure out what my next move was. Right. Because at this point, you know, I had made five or six moves and was feeling a bit unsettled and unsure about what, you know, what, what actually is the vehicle I need to get into it for the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, something I've learned over the past 10 years in various businesses is I'm hugely passionate about starting businesses, about 
the strategy and theory behind acquiring customers, adding value, um, and just that whole startup phase is something. Startup and growth phase is something that I'm that I really enjoy, and it plays to my strengths. Right. Um, so I think that the idea behind this business outlaw social was that why don't I start a business that plays to my strengths, mm-hmm. that allows me to work on projects with clients that can accelerate their businesses, mm-hmm. can give me the variety of projects to keep me engaged and and happy and energetic so that I can add the most value to people. Right. Um, and, and that kind of got us to, to now. So in um, December 2018, I decided to register Outlaw Social as a limited company. Okay. And I set out in January to find our first clients. And initially, the thought process was that we were a marketing company that specialized in social media mm-hmm. and um, content production. So be that written, be it video, be it photography. Um, and over the period of, I think, three, four months, we acquired our first 10 customers. Brilliant. Um, a lot of those customers were people who I, I knew, yeah. um, who trusted me, who were willing to give us, give me a chance, um, and perhaps I'd maybe seen some of the stuff that I'd done in the past with previous businesses. Um, so that that kind of got us through to June, where we employed our first two members of staff. Fantastic. Um, so we had created enough revenue to. I had actually forecasted that we had enough clients to take on two members of staff to add creative capacity to our service offering um, and it would get us to break even point. Okay. So I was quite happy to sacrifice profit. I had done my numbers, done my projections and I had forecasted that we would be at break even point for a good couple of months. Okay. Um, what happened really quickly when the two members of staff joined who are incredible um, and actually much more creative than me. Right. Um, good. We we really quickly realized because we we had team meetings every morning and every afternoon, and we realized that the work we were doing for clients, a lot of our clients were on monthly retainers. Right. Um. So we were doing perhaps doing social media, or we were doing SEO or Google AdWords for clients. Um. And what what happened is, we we ended up just ticking boxes for. clients. Clients. So we had this, you know, a social media client would come to us and we'd put out 20 posts for them a month and there was no real strategy mm-hmm. behind why, why are we doing this? What is the result? How do we demonstrate value? How do we make sure that this customer doesn't see us as an expense but sees mm-hmm. us as an investment? Yeah. Um, and that thought kind of developed over the period of probably four or five weeks. And we sat down as a team not too long ago, and we've not actually published this fully. So by the time this podcast goes live, it'll be really fresh. Right, okay. Um, News flash hot off the press. Yeah, hot off the press. Um, But we we decided that retainers and a focus on output rather than outcomes wasn't serving our clients in a good way. Right. And it wasn't actually serving us as creative 
people um, because there was no energy, there was no cre- there was no creative freedom. We were just ticking boxes. We were just putting posts out. We were kind of giving clients what they want rather than what they need. Ah. And if I'm being brutally honest, we actually became glorified PAs or assistants or um, schedulers. Mm. And that didn't really fit with me because I, I want to make sure that I add the value to a business that I not, work with. Not that interesting either, Lee. No, no. And actually it has a it has a really short life cycle because yeah. when a when a business owner or um marketing manager looks at your bill at the end of the month and weighs it up, they start to resent yeah. the, the outgoing because there's no there's no demonstration of return. Yeah. Um, and what we were hearing from people is actually this is what 90% of marketing agencies are doing. Oh, and right. every client that you speak to has had a bad experience with marketing agencies. Yeah. They've never been able to demonstrate results or you know become an extended arm of the business. It's more this agency client barrier and it's a bit of a clash. Um, mm-hmm. So... We sat down as a team and we decided that we were going to reposition ourselves as the anti-retainer agency. Okay. So we've reframed ourselves as the 90-day campaign agency. Basically, we arrived at 90 days as being the optimal amount of time for us to go in energetically and solve a particular or the most pressing pain point for a client which, for example, might be we need to acquire 100 new customers um, over the next 90 days. Okay. And it allowed us to just remove the fluff and remove the crap and have honest conversations with our clients about if this is your goal, this is exactly what we need to do to achieve that goal. Okay. This is how we're going to demonstrate, this is how we're going to actually achieve it, and this is how we're going to demonstrate a return on your investment. Um, so basically the 90 day campaign agency was born last month in July and it goes live in the next two weeks. Oh, how exciting. That's very exciting. Um, But it it almost feels like a switch has been flicked um, Mm -hmm. because we've started to tease out, um, the campaign, the 90 day campaign solution to some clients that Mm -hmm. have um inquired to us um, and the response has been incredible brilliant so i think our success rate has been about 70 percent um, in terms of conversion but actually just the conversations it's nice to have uh, a conversation that's honest direct and full of energy with a client mm. um, and i think that's really refreshing so we're, we're really excited as a team to see what comes next that that is really exciting. And then what happens after the ninety days when you've achieved what you want to achieve for the client? What happens next? Well, so there's three stages to a ninety day campaign. So um, before a client, um, before we accept a client onto a ninety day campaign, we have what's called a thirty day warm up. <clears throat> and within that warm up period, we basically we take care of everything that would slow down a campaign. Ah. at the start so we fully onboard them we have what's called a a, a warm-up discovery session <clears throat> sorry i'm just going to have a little drink no far away that's okay i know you've been busy in meetings all afternoon uh-huh. yeah getting new clients on board so appreciate your time massively not a problem um so 
within that discovery session, it's really just a conversation and what, <coughs> what we, <coughs> sorry, I've got a cough. <coughs> we're going to, um, we're going to wear you out at this rate, Lee. Uh, you, you just get yourself uh, a drink of water. I can always pause the recording here, so don't worry about that. Okay, Lee, you've had a drink of water, you got your voice back. What happens after the warm-up period? So we then, once we've got the client pre-qualified, we move on to the actual 90-day sprint. So we pr prioritise tasks based on the ability for them to impact our um, traction towards achieving the campaign goal. Okay. Then as we work through the actual campaign over the 90 days, we're recording data, we're basically optimizing the campaigns. And then what happens is we provide the client with a debrief that presents them with the outcomes. So what we've achieved, what we've learned, <clears throat> what potential uh, we have for future campaigns. Okay. And then we give them the opportunity to re-engage with us on a completely new 90 day sprint. Ah, okay, okay. So what, how, how does that business enable you to uh, leave the world in a better place than which you found it? Great question. Um, <laughs> so what it, I think our, our unique selling point ultimately attracts businesses that are interested in making an impact on the world themselves. Ah, I see. Okay. That have big growth ambitions um, and really want to accelerate their business. And I think by us using our skill sets to help them grow their business quicker mm. to make an impact quicker, it kind of achieves my vision. Right. Um, because we can we can help them do that in a much more efficient and um, measurable way. And you can do it with loads of businesses. You're not just restricted to growing your own business. You can do it with multiple number of businesses. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Oh, geniusly. Absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. So um, the, your honesty has been absolutely brilliantly. I really, really appreciate that. And I think, you know, if anybody is experiencing um, difficulties out there, uh, mental health issues due to stress, anxiety, whether their businesses failed or whether they're simply overwhelmed, um, then I, I think it's important that they know they're not alone. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly not a reflection of them as a human being. Um, from your description, businesses like a roller coaster <laughs> got some incredible highs and some pretty tough lows. Yeah. Uh, who, who do you look to for your inspiration and energy, Lee? Where, where do you fill up your cup? Well, what, what, just very quickly, just on the mental health thing, if, it, if it's okay, Rebecca, yeah, um, I think what I've really learned is business leaders need to share more of the raw behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Because I think as entrepreneurs and business leaders, our failures and challenges and our ability to problem solve as our resilience builds actually becomes our superpower. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's only recently that I've started to embrace that. Um, and I think what probably lacked a few years ago for me was that no one was sharing openly. So I felt isolated, you know, I felt 
like I was this, you know, my world was collapsing around me while my business was getting liquidated and everybody was successful. Mm. Um, but what I've came to realize is that actually everyone has their own problems yeah. and the more that we can share as business leaders, like it, it can just be so powerful. Um, but it, it can take a bit of time to actually realize that. Um, and I think that's why a support network is really important. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but in terms of who inspires me, um, I think inspiration for me comes quite close to home locally. <clears throat> I mentioned these guys right at the start. Mm. Um, but I've been surrounded with people like Callie from Malsey and Bruce from Future X and Leah from Appointed um, and loads of other people like that for like pretty much 10 years now. Yeah. And what has been a huge inspiration for me is just their persistence and resilience. Mm -hmm. um, some of these guys have been chipping away at the same business for almost a decade. Yeah. And it's just so inspiring, like the, the roller coaster that they've been on and to know that they're still pushing on towards their ultimate goal yeah. um, is just really powerful. So I tend to look quite close to home for inspiration. Yeah, yeah, good, good. So you're launching the new 90 day um, product, which sounds amazing, and I'm sure will be phenomenally successful. Have you looked beyond Outlaw socially or um, you for the time being? Well, I think in terms of what comes next for me, I've, I've, I've got a few, a few milestones that I want to hit. I think the the first one for me is I've found the vehicle that works and I know that because we've got validation, we've got clients that we've done a great job for. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think in the, the next, you know, two, three, four years for me, it's about the pursuit of performance, performance marketing excellence. Okay. Probably the best way to explain it. Um, I think just one day at a time, one client at a time, figuring out the technicalities of how we can accelerate the growth of businesses in the most efficient way. Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a real learn, really steep learning curve. And we're, I'm going to have to dig quite deep to, to really discover how we add the most value. So I think the next three, four, five years is just about getting into the detail and just doing a great job. Great. Um, probably alongside that is just getting comfortable with sharing my journey. Um, I had some big challenges during childhood and I've had some big challenges during my time in business um, and I'm still here to tell the story. So I think um, I, I really want to just help other people uh, on their journeys. So encouraging other young leaders to take the leap and I think more importantly to be kind to themselves along the way. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> so I'll be exposed and hopefully how I can share that story and um, you know take up speaking opportunities like this and, and stuff like that. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. I, think, I think finally it's just figuring out how I can be the best leader that I can be. Um, leading by example, I think as our agency grows, our team grows, um, I think particularly because we work in the digital world, um, I'm starting to feel a bit of a responsibility to lead by example in terms of um, 
helping our staff lead a sort of good work-life balance and how to be good humans how to share their story and make an impact and i think also mainly how to use social media in a way that is not detrimental to their health yeah Um, because i think that's going to be a a theme that's going to evolve um quite a lot and come into the limelight over the next decade is the actual consequence of being on on our digital um habitat so much yeah i think i think you're right i think that responsible business growth is the key to to doing business in the 21st century isn't it is that you know it's it's not growth at all costs but it's like you say being a good human being making sure that you do it in a way that uh you know you're not all stressed out to the max and burnt out you have a reasonable balance we all know as business owners you you always do that extra because it's your business yeah um but uh, making sure that you get downtime and rest and relaxation and i think it's so important that our listeners hear that you know you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth you had challenges uh, those yeah. challenges are very recent uh, and you can bounce back and you're absolutely rightly is that you build that resilience as you go along yeah um, so uh, what a wonderful story i'm so glad <laughs> I could get hold of you and interview you. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, and what what's the domain so people can go and find you? So it's outlawsocial.co.uk. That's easy peasy. That is wonderful. Thank you again, Lee, so much for that and absolute best of luck. And no doubt I'll see you around Edinburgh soon enough. Thank you so much. And sorry that I almost had a coughing fit. <laughs> well, I did have a coughing fit. I'm glad we got through it. No problem. You take care. Have a okay, great day. Thank Peace. you. The Entrepreneurial Journey Podcast. We're talking 